back. We are into the business end of the season. We've got two rounds left. I can't believe we're here. There was a point earlier in the year where it was like we get no footy. We finally got through. We got through 16 rounds. Uh, finishing right now as we converse. Uh, round 17 starts tomorrow. Tom, how are you travelling tonight? Yeah, going well, Seb. Uh, yep, enjoying it. As as you would know, I'm on that predictor ladder and the games to predict are getting shorter and shorter as we get to that pointy end. Uh, teams are either putting the queue in the rack or putting in one last good performance. It, it's it's great to see. And yep, we're uh, finishing up a midweek round. Uh, I did have a laugh. I did see, uh, you know... A, the Premier League's back this week just to go on a little tangent to open up and yep. they say the team that can win at a, a cold Bolton or can win at Burnley on a on a midweek game usually uh, turns out to be a team that wins the title. So I've got my doubts on the Giants because a little midweek game and a you know, against the Crows and, and they didn't get the job done, but it was that was good for the Saints. But you know, it's the, those upsets that are gonna put a spanner in the works and they're what we want to see at this tail end of the year as we get to that top eight. They didn't. They didn't look like a team that's going to figure in the calculations, did they? No. When you're dropping a game like that at this point of the year, you, you've got a it's huge question marks uh, on the side there. Um, Most definitely, it, it seems like there are a few teams who are hovering around that eighth spot, and they keep falling at. Well, it's not the last hurdle. We're about to get to the last hurdle, but the second last and third last hurdle, and they're just. It's almost like they just want to stay up in Queensland for a holiday, but don't really want to play that extra week of finals. It, it is it is going that way. I think uh, Melbourne, you know, got got my boys the Saints, but then they've fallen over the next two hurdles in the uh, sprint to the finish. So it'll be interesting. I mean, the Giants play them next. That is a game I'm looking forward to. But how about the the doggies? Just literally McGovern's thumb being the difference in that one, and they're back yep. in the hunt. Yep, we'll get we'll get into that later. I believe I tipped that to all the the loyal listeners. Um, <laughs> I'll give you that one. And and we should point out uh, Liam's tip last week at the Valley, that that saluted as well. It saluted well. I hope you so, listeners got on. I know I didn't, which is unfortunate, but I should have. So, <laughs> little um, bit of value, little bit of value flowing around. So, we so have to get... we've got a big big episode today, Tom. We're going to get into uh, IP being taken from other clubs. We've got. We're going to give some love to some of the uh, teams sort of further down the ladder who haven't been travelling as well in terms of wins and losses, but I think their performances have been great. Uh, you're going to take aim, which yeah, I'm really I've looking got, forward to. Big figure in can't my sights. See this, but I've got a huge grin on my face pointing <laughs> at this uh, lovely Zoom picture of you. Uh, and we're going to delve into the modern day Big Four clubs, which obviously there's a tra- traditional Big Four of. Collingwood and Carlton and Essendon and Richmond. Oh, look how good we are because we made this league. That ain't the big four anymore. And we're going to tell you exactly who is the current big four of the AFL. But firstly, I want to um, give you a little shout out. Um, Connor McKenna announced his retirement yesterday. Effective immediately. Uh, effective immediately. Big news. He was he was only 24, played 77, 80-odd games, I think. So... For a bloke to come over from Ireland and have that sort of impact is significant. Um, and I I don't know if he's... I, I think COVID has just got a hold of him. And the whole scenario of he's got a... If obviously, away from his family in Ireland. But he can't stay at his home in Melbourne because he's got to fly up. To, I think all the circumstances have just added there's, up. There's a lot of layers to that one. And Essendon have had a, a 
poor year, especially by what they expected. Um, and I think he's just like, yep, I'm uh, I'm done. I'm going home. You can uh, like th- thanks for everything, and he's handled himself really well. And also took a little jab at the uh, the media on the way out, saying, "Oh, I didn't you know, catch the- that one. What did what did you go with?" Oh, it was more around the scrutiny of of the players is just unbelievably uh, or intense. Intense, yeah, and and he just he took a swipe at it, and of course all the media rushes to report it, thereby repeating the cycle. Um, but uh, no, you you well, are you saying? I don't know me, if you when said, you say media, am I a part of it? Has kind of given me a little clip there. Well, was well, I part uh, of the problem? If if you play that episode back, did you say he should be sacked? I didn't say he should be sacked, but I said his career is. This he won't play. Well, he won't be playing next year. Um, and I think I, I I did throw in a line that I I'm no Irish economist, but uh, that that was probably in there somewhere. Um, look, no, I, look, you, you did have him leaving in the sense of I think it was both club both sides were probably going to say this might be for the best, and he's just called it a little bit earlier. Given Essendon probably aren't going to play finals. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'll take it. It was probably a dollar ten and very short that it would happen. But uh, we we did think we as soon as it came out, we uh, we thought of our listeners and thought that they'd remember that one. So uh, look, and it, as you said, you know, to come all the way from Ireland, eighty odd games. I mean, you know, some of his runs down, particularly uh, the Marvel Stadium wing. That's what uh, Bombers fans will remember. I think, um, you know, this year they didn't always come off, but in the past, you know, a few of his uh, little Gaelic traits coming into our game, flicking the ball up and, um, you know, using his feet to pick up the ball, those little, you know, that that's what the fans wanted to see. So he'll be missed on that front. And, the you know, the Bombers need all the talent on their list that they can get, so they will miss him coming off half-back as well. So It was extremely exciting. I always felt between him and Adam Saad... It was a case of you go, I go. Yeah. Then you go, then I go. And this way, it might just give Saad the freedom to be that run and carry player yeah. off half back. Um, not that not that either of them were doing the wrong thing. It was just there's only so much. Well, yeah, it is a role around. that you don't often see shared. Usually, that bloke coming off half back likes to be, you know, the man for want of a better word. You know, you look at Jake Lloyd. Uh, up in Sydney, he's exclusively got rights to coming off the halfback, really. And, and Tom Stewart for the Cats is, is another one who's a really good uh, exponent of that. So, look, it'll be interesting to see how that goes from um, Facade. But um, having said that, just on the there's typically one off the halfback line, my man JJ over at the Western Bulldogs, Jason Johannesson, uh, took out the Norm Smith, had a little had a little saver on him that day. That was oh, brilliant. That's a good pick. Um, he was he was that he's that guy for the dogs. After he won that Norm Smith and they won the flag, he got tagged every week. Yeah, and he had a terrible like he had a down year. I don't think he's would been it the same help since he really hasn't. Would it help having a second player to do it? It's all about the mix well, and yeah, finding the right mix. That's so a fair point. that's probably what the Bombers were trying. It didn't pan out the way they wanted, but you know, I'm not saying it couldn't work. I'm just saying from what I saw, it wasn't over there. Um, now, speaking of the Bombers, and we're going to dive into um, this topic, intellectual property, which is being stolen from other clubs. So Essendon copped a bit of heat when they came out after halftime against the Cats, and they were down by a rather large margin. Towards uh, 10 goals, I think, Around you're fine for that 10 one. 10-goal mark, which is huge in these shortened quarters, uh, shortened quarters we're having. Um, and they gathered up, had a little huddle, and then, from what I understand, 
uh, Irving Mosquito told a little joke to all the players, and then they all laughed and went out, and they copped all this flack from the uh, the media, which you know, yeah. as we talked about, their bombers media scrutiny. too as well, uh, which I think usually ignites it. Yeah, and it turns out they were more or less stealing it directly from Richmond, who have is it Graham, Jack Graham. Yeah, Jack Graham or Jack Higgins, uh, he, he's usually the uh, leading the charge on that one. Yeah, so it's taken directly from that. Um, and so Essendon cop flack for doing that, but then do they get... The teams get praised for copying things and building on them. Um, and so you'll actually note that Rutten and Ben Rutten, who will be the senior coach next year, and Blake Carousella, uh, who's an assistant coach, both came from Richmond. So... A lot of knowledge of how the Richmond system works, and obviously it's worked really well for Richmond. Um, I don't. I, I understand Essendon have been coming out every week laughing and not caring, but in a one-off scenario where you had they're down by ten goals, they're never going to win that game. Yeah, so I was going to. So did it bother you when you not if you saw the, the footage? Slightest. Were you like not, that is outrageous? They can't be doing that. No, not in the slightest. If if that. Comes into your culture every week, big problem, because you just don't care. Yeah. But in a one-off scenario, like we don't know, we don't know what was discussed behind closed doors at halftime after the game, all through the week. We just don't know. Yeah, and- we do miss that part of the, I guess, the game day experience and what goes on to geeing them up. I mean, I think I saw. Sorry to, uh, I think it might have been the Hawks or uh, Sydney, you know, doing the one, two, three, four, five, you know, doing that. You know, think they do, yeah. you know, you've got to think outside the box to get your team up and about. They obviously needed the spark at that point, 10 goals down. A hundred percent. And and so they're trying something and they've copped a lot of flack for not performing the way they should have. And now they're trying something different and we're going to give them flack for that. Um, it's just the madness of the media wanting to nitpick every single little thing. And now, since that, there's actually two great examples of the IP being put to great use. Adelaide beat GWS. Yep. So Head coach Matty Nix was an assistant at GWS last year. And Fremantle beat Collingwood and Justin Longmuir assistant over at Collingwood. And they were two wins people weren't expecting, um, but they've used their knowledge of the system to put into place in their teams and actually counteract and beat the opposition. So I thought they were both great examples of, of teams stealing from other teams. Yeah, well, a fair example there. That that gets sort of to the crux of it as well because, you know, you've mentioned two teams with, you know, knowledge of their former team and they had a win. I mean, I think the Bombers being 10 goals down has made it an absolute beacon. It's almost been the, the scapegoat and that's just the, you know, the only image that we've seen come out of that game because, you know, they just happen to be 10 goals down. I mean, it's loved by Richmond and they probably adopted it from Richmond just because they were an up and about successful team. I sort of look at it as being more of a, you know, a cherry on top for a good team. You know, we're flying, we're in a good mood, we can we can try this little thing. Whereas, I don't know, I do worry seeing the Bombers used a little bit because, you know, they're not up and about and flying. I don't think it affects their performance that much. It might get them in the right mood, but it's it, it's... I don't know, maybe something you develop in the rooms first and then bring out onto the field. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm jumping onto that wagon where we're getting into it. I mean, it, it, it didn't actually bother me, but I'm just thinking of the way it was handled and um, I don't know, they've just given themselves 
unnecessary heat by doing it out in public, particularly when they're in that position. I mean, that you know, that's the only thing I'm wondering. You sort of had Dyson Heppel and the boys going, you know, the leadership group going, oh, look, we're 10 goals down. It might not be the best to do this out on the field. Maybe we just do this one in the rooms. I'm not sure. Maybe it, it, I do take your point. Where, I mean, we are reading a fair bit into it, but um, I think... You do. I mean, that that's the thing with the clubs. You do see with the IP, there's only so much you can take before you sort of lose your own self-image. So there is that side of it too. Um, I think, you know, you obviously take the IP that you can develop into your culture, but you don't want to just take it straight from another team because it doesn't always fit as well. No, so. you certainly can't take it from one team, but I can give you a line on this. Yeah. You can tell this to your grandkids. <laughs> Listen up, uh, listeners. I was about to say viewers. Listeners. Steal from one person, you're a thief. Steal from lots of people, and you're an artist. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that should be a uh, little quote that on the Twitter uh, at Twelve Rows Back. That, that's that's pretty sharp. I don't mind that. Yep, it's um, it's quite an apt comparison because you can't steal one team's straight game plan and just apply it, but you can take a bit from here and a bit from there and a bit from there and put it all together and wrap it up in a bow and, and then say, this is what we're going to do. So uh, watch this space. I know I, I, I know there are clubs that have hired coaches a lot on the back of more where they've coached rather than how good they can coach. Yeah, that, I'd um, agree with that. And so I suspect, like Carousel's had success everywhere he's gone. So there was a no-brainer for Essendon to get an old son back to the club. Exactly. I think another um, one I'd, uh, from your boys, the Ruse, Lee Tudor, he's been part of a lot of successful programs. He's sort of one that flies under the radar. He's up in your box. Um, and I think he's over at the Bombers at the moment. Have time. they pinched him as well? Jeez, I'm, I'm a year behind it. Oh, well, there you go. So, I mean, he's your classic example, though. So he, he's been, you know, Ruse, Dons, he was at the Saints. Um Blues, I think, maybe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. Um, Did you say he'd had success? Because you just listed four teams that ain't had much. Well, fair, fair point, but he uh, was a highly he was highly rated. Highly rated. A lot of people yeah. tipped him to um, <laughs> to go and coach. I think he was at Sydney as well. Yeah, at, Sydney. Yeah, at that, that, I was about um, to get to that. And and Dad, if you're listening, we're talking about Lee Tudor. Played 60 games for the Cats and eight for the Roos. Not Lee Harding who wore 39 for North, and you kept calling Lee Tudor. Um, <laughs> if you're listening, Dad, just just passing that on. Now, I want to give some love to two teams. They're down the bottom of the ladder. They haven't had great years win-loss-wise, but I've watched a little bit of them, and they come to play each week, and that's Sydney and Frio. Yeah, two, when, when this ended up on our rundown, I, I was pretty happy to see it because they're... Yeah, for teams not in the eight, and we, we obviously give the teams up there their due credit, but I think you you could give a big tick to the years for Sydney and Freo this year. I know you, you could look at the ladder purely and just go, oh, what's happened here? But I think, yeah, like you've said there, Seb, they have really flown under the radar, and they've, they've built really strong seasons and real strong foundations to uh, move forward. Yeah, 100%. They, um, they're... In games, I think I was looking through. Freo have lost a couple. They've let a couple get out of hand against sort of the top upper echelon of yeah. teams. But that's just... That happens in every season. They have been right in just about every other game they've played. I mean, Freo 6-9, and nine, but what they lost to Carlton after the siren. Yeah. You could argue that kick should never have happened. Um, 
they've lost a number of close ones. Um, and same with Sydney. Like, we've tipped them a couple of times. Yeah, uh, they, they tips. You had them this week, and they maybe yeah, should have beaten they Carlton, probably but they didn't. Snuck over the line there. Um, and so I think I think their futures are pretty pretty good as well. I mean, Sydney have got Sydney got a few young kids coming through. You've got Blakey. Um, Isaac Heaney's an absolute star. Yeah, you could um, probably put Callum Mills in there. I mean, you know, Tom Tom McCartan, he, he's the leading McCartan in the AFL at the, after that only one. McCart- I mean, only I mean, McCartan in the AFL. And I noticed, yeah, exactly. I, I noticed as well with Sydney and Frio, you know, if you said Sydney, nobody, Frio, not as much, but no Jesse Hogan, I'm not comparing the two. What I'm saying is they both had their big key forwards out as well. They've had to really rely on the youth. I think you'll find that both teams have probably had... The young or been in the top four youngest on-field lists in in most games. Um, you know, Freo has pulled Caleb Sarong. He he is a ripper. He, you know, he might even sneak the rising star. I know, uh, having played you in uh, Super Coach Seb, that uh, Adam Chera is having an absolute blinder of a year. He has jumped up to the next level. Might have even gone past Brayshaw, who's another gun they've got there in the middle. Captain um, Rovers boy. Yeah, good Rovers boy. So, um, yeah, the thing's looking rosy. So they're, they're building strongly. I mean, they're, they're learning the ways of, you know, Horse is one of the great modern-day coaches. I think that that's fair. So he, he's got them, you know, they've won a granny and, and been in a few more. So he's he's done well there. And Longmuir has just gotten off to, to a good start. I mean, um, yeah, as we said, coming from uh, the successful program at Collingwood, I mean, he's really shown that he's got the players playing for him. And look, there'll be two to keep an eye on um, next year. That's for that's for sure. I think Justin Longmuir's a ripper. I I think they've got a real find, and I think they've got some real good kids. I think, and I'm just looking at, and we've got this season where no one wants to finish eighth. It seems. I think you could see Frio shoot up into the eight next year, just based on what they've done in the back half, their competitiveness. They're young kids. Yeah, um, another preseason. You know that, that that's huge. Yeah, big question mark around Jesse Hogan. Like he did play on the weekend, which was good to see. Um, and I hope I hope he can really separate his off field. He, he can really sort of push past a lot of his off field battles and struggles. And it's not it's not easy when you're going through that stuff. And it's probably definitely not easy with coronavirus running around the world you know that that makes things tough and it's good to see him back if he can get that under control and play some of the good footy we were seeing at Melbourne I think they can shoot right up the ladder definitely Um, I mean even just as we say though you mentioned Hogan um, Matty Taberner is another one we should give some credit to he's uh, managed to kick a goal in every game I think this week was actually the first game of the year he didn't kick one but otherwise he's uh, kicked one every week so yeah, yeah, they're, they're building strongly there. You know, Sandy goes out, but Big Sean Darcy comes in. So, you know, it's that real, like, transition. And, I mean, Sydney and Freo are probably two examples where they've mixed youth with a bit of a rebuild on the run. I mean, they haven't been in the bottom two, these sides, but they're still showing promise and they're getting good games into the youngsters this year. So, look, I'm with you. And I, I could see Sydney in the top eight next year. You know, they... I mean, it's pretty rare in this modern day, actually, to see Sydney out of the eight. Um you know, I think they made it 14 or 15 years straight or some figure similar to that. So they know what September's about. And yeah, you sort of get Buddy. They still have Kennedy, Parker, good senior core like Freo with Fife and Walters. So yeah, two good sides. And I'm glad glad we gave them their airtime. We can mention those uh, Victorian sides a fair bit as we do. Um, but it, it's good to uh, to give a bit of love to a couple of, uh, couple of those teams uh, going under the radar, I would say, in the AFL. 
Most definitely. Uh, we probably don't need to rehash the Victorian bias, although I'm happy to. <laughs> it seems uh, to bob its head up every week. I don't know how. Well, it does. But what does bob its head up every week? And this is... I've got to, I've got to find a sting for this. Now, I, full disclosure, I spent five minutes before the show trying to come up with something and couldn't. Uh, but here we are. It's that moment of the week. Tom, it's time to take aim. <laughs> Who are you aiming at this week? I love that this is now a segment. Uh, I've had a go at the jumper clashes um, and the the goal umpiring technology. Uh, this week, I've got one of the... Well, we talk about modern-day great coaches. He's probably the modern-day great coach. I've got Alistair Clarkson in my sights. <laughs> now, He's no bigger name. He is a big name, uh, but over the weekend, and he's done it again, and, it, and I've had enough. So he's gone in his press conference and he, he said to, you know, and I didn't take offence to the comments, but I just think his attitude. So he, he's gone and said, look, the Saints game style, it might have beaten us, but it's not going to beat really or worry any teams in September, which, you know, Brett Ratton, little straight bat, but I'm sure behind the scenes he was steaming. Now, this comes after the week before that. Clarko's gone and said, oh, how am I going to go into the draft? The draft's compromise. That's after he's also, you know, earlier in the year, our man Tom Papley. He's dragged him into a bit of a mess, you know, diving for free kicks. And he's just... So if he, if Clarko's a superhero and he's the super coach, I, I would deny it because if he is a superhero, Clarkson, he is the deflector. Uh, he is <laughs> deflect, deflect, deflect. <laughs> He doesn't really tell you where his team's at. He gets the heat off uh, the Hawthorns back every week. He stands there and in his media conferences, and he's thinking about everything else except for the Hawks. And he's taking... I mean, it is, it's smart, but I'm sick of seeing a Clark go. I'd love him to be honest with us and just really say where they're at. He won't accept things. I think he has been outcoached this year. He would, well, He's not admitting it publicly, but I think behind closed doors, you know, with... The, the list at the way it is at the Hawks, he he just doesn't have the cattle out there, and I mean, really, he, he has kept Hawthorne in the papers. He's keeping Hawthorne relevant with all this deflecting, because otherwise we wouldn't be talking about the Hawks in any sense. So, Clarko, I'm really glad you mentioned it's smart of him. So, yeah, look, yeah, I'm sick of seeing it, but I understand why he's doing it. But I'm taking aim at that. So, um, yeah, come on, Clarko. They're, they're- playing and not playing overly well and instead of the heat coming onto the team it's going onto him so the mastermind has sucked you right in well he has yeah i'll give it to you and you, you want to go in now i've shaken my fist <laughs> let's just let's just break it down so he's he's pointed out the saints game style won't won't stack up against the top sides which i can understand how that might might sting some of those saints fans those passionate the passionate folk down at Moorabbin. <laughs> now, there's a couple of things that could happen from here. The Saints won't use that game style against the top sides, which will prove Clarko's point. Yeah. Or the Saints will use the game style and get beaten, also proving Clarko's point. Have you noticed no one in the media has said he's wrong? Yeah, that, that is a point you keep uh, finding it out of the media here. They, they didn't point that out. That wasn't part of it. Well, is he wrong? Like... I don't think the media think the Saints will win a final. Yeah, well, look, that's true. But I think, you know, from your example there, he's heads to his bets, Clarko, so he can't really lose. So that's that's just part of his brilliance, I guess. But Well, the Saints could win the flag and then this will be brought up. 
we'll we'll geez we'll have a fair episode if the saints win the flag but uh yeah look we might go dark for two weeks <laughs> yeah. i reckon yeah, potentially. But, yeah, look, do you think it's unfair, though? I mean, I'm just bringing it up. I mean, I'm not t- calling into question whether it's it's smart or, or dumb, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm sick of seeing Clarko deflect. I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, when your team's 16th, you don't have many other choices, but I, I think you'll find, you know, even, you know, the the rookie Matty Nix uh, in Adelaide's being a little bit more honest with where they're at. And particularly, I think the draft comment might have set me off the most just because I don't think Clarko and the Hawks are in a position to comment on the draft because they really haven't used the draft in its pure form really for the last 10 years. They've been, you know, finding good players or okay players in the 30s and beyond and just, you know, getting nice mature aged, well, mature players from other clubs. So I don't know if he's really, I mean, he shouldn't be potting the compromise draft because I think a couple of priority picks might have helped him build the foundations for the early 2004-2005 buddy, roughhead, Jordan Lewis era. So I couldn't cop it when he was deflecting about the draft. And yeah, we all know how good Tom Papley's been. So, you know, deflecting about that too. So look, I'll keep an eye on him. He is going to disappear from our screens, I guess, in the in the last two weeks. But yeah, I, I, I'm interested in your thoughts. I mean, he has kept Hawthorne relevant this year. I mean, he's kept them involved in the media's take on Hawthorne because otherwise we're hearing nothing about them. Yeah, he has, but he's doing what a good coach should do, and that's look after his players. Like, his players love that. We have a bad game, he deflects from us. He hits us behind, not hits us, but he points it out behind closed doors and he's probably ruthless, but we're not copying the flack from the media so we can go about it. I, I think it's brilliant. I, I've i learnt years ago that any sanctioned press conference or interview by the club will not give you much info as to where the club's at. Yeah, it's a no, waste that's a of time comment. going down that's that fair. path. So to interview Clarko after a game, we know how competitive he is, so he can get a little bit crabby. Um, and... Yeah, he's he's hundred percent deflected. I think you could call him the deflector this year with no problems whatsoever. He's deflected, pointed out you know, the Papley staging, the umpires, the whole he changed the holding the ball rule for a week. Um, yeah, that that was and the now one, he's yeah. taken aim at, at the Saints and uh, yeah, and then he he went too far. I, I look, I'm interested though. I guess you know maybe I'm the first media type if I can say that uh, without laughing too much to, to have a crack because he's not being called out widely for the deflecting. So it it's not going to... Uh, it doesn't happen here on 12 rows back. We, we call it as we see it, but... We do. We're not afraid to take on the big fish. We tease this one off the top. There's a big four clubs. And if you go back 20 years in the old... Well, 30 years now in the old VFL, you had the Pies, the Bombers, the Blues and the Tigers were considered the big yeah, four. Yeah, that's, that's your classic big four, isn't it? From the yeah, from the VFL days. So from the when it was called the VFL, yeah. it still is the VFL. <laughs> it's just not called the VFL now. But I would say things have changed considerably since then. Yeah, uh, I think it's time for an update. Yep, I agree with you. The membership numbers came out today, and this is not our stat of the week, but this is a phenomenal stat. In a year where members almost couldn't attend games. Obviously, up in Brisbane, Queensland, probably in Adelaide and Perth, some have, but 992,854 signed up members. Magnificent. And about 30,000 of them will be pet members across the comp, but... <laughs> Doesn't matter, that's... That's, that's fine. My dog silver. was a member for years. Um, 
so at the top, the top four according to membership size are West Coast, Richmond, Collingwood, and Hawthorne. Uh, West Coast and Richmond both cracked the hundred, with West Coast edging them out by three hundred members. Uh, and it goes all the way down. The two Queensland teams are at the bottom, so GWS have overtaken Brisbane, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting too. Yeah. And um, you know, you think we talked about Frio before; they haven't cracked the top eight, and they've got fifty over fifty thousand members. So yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, some of these figures are, are huge when you consider where they've come from. So. Um, your boys there, the Ruse with just a shade under 40. Uh, my boys, the Saints, this was our record year, so I've got to give that a shout-out. We're at 48, almost 49. Um, yeah, but my, my debate for you is, you know, that notion of the big four. I think, yeah, it's an old VFL tradition that really needs an update. Now, we're not going to look at this just purely from the membership numbers because a lot more goes into it. So that that's sort of your, you know, your off-field success. But we're also looking, I guess, when we do this at, you know, the pure media coverage, Australia-wide. Obviously, we see a lot of Victorian material, but uh, Australia-wide and obviously on-field success, you know, you, when you, you think of that old um, big four... Uh, the on-field success was was massive. They sort of dominated uh, the flag tally for for a fair portion, but that has all changed. Particularly when you see, uh, you know, I mean, the pies not so much. Uh, Ten years, the bombers. That's that's getting to be a real long drought. Blues, you know, that's the last millennium. That's that's way back. And you know, the Tigers took 37 years to get to where they are to now. So, I'm I'm looking to rejig it. What are your thoughts off the top? There are there a few teams, obviously, that we can rule out just straight off the top for this one? Yeah, we can rule out probably both of the teams we support. Uh, yeah, we I'll cop that. bring them up again. Uh, uh, Queensland teams, obviously. Queensland and... are out. Sydney are out. Um, and then, uh, look, you probably couldn't have Melbourne or the Doggies. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, you take the Doggies and the Ds out. They're, they're down yeah, there with I'm us. Surprised you, I'm surprised you acknowledge the Dogs at times. Uh, look, <laughs> Let's roll from the top. Who's your number one? Uh, I've got the Eagles. Yep. They're, they're big. 100%. They are big. They are the biggest name they, in I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to keep bringing up the uh, you know, Vic WA bias, but they, you know, as we can see from this membership, they're huge. They're, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but they've got BHP on the back of their Guernsey. They aren't a small company. Um, they're in a two-team town. Uh, I don't know the population of Perth. Uh, we have Perth friends that can, uh, you know, message that one in. But uh, I, I think it's about. Well, I'm not even going to take a guess. But there's a, there's plenty of supporters over there when you've got a two-team town. So it's a shade under two million. A shade under so two got million. Five percent of the town signed up as members. Yeah, enormous. Um, well, you, you say that, but Geelong's population's just a shade under three hundred, and they've got sixty thousand. So that's twenty percent if they all lived in Geelong. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, well, that that's all part of these figures. Well, I mean, we're we're talking in a jest. That no, that that's fair. I mean, you, you couldn't have a country town in the well uh, top four. Is that harsh? Are they can we say country? Or? I think you've got to say regional. Oh, re- sorry, regional, <laughs> regional. We're potting them, but they're not in nah, the stage look, four lockdown. I, I, we are so. I did think <laughs> of the cats. I mean, yeah, real strong membership numbers. Obviously, they've got their stadium, but I just yeah, you, you can't give it to them when we're talking the big. This this isn't a level up and and I probably have the crows out as well they're big but they're not quite we're talking this is the the elite oh. yeah see I reckon if Geelong Stadium held 55 well yeah no they they'd would. be starting to push up because 
they sell that out and they could would keep selling it out like that's my um look a family down in Geelong and like they would revolve their week around when Geelong are playing to most likely go if it was in Geelong yeah. so I, I think I think if they had the bigger stadium and could get all their home games down there and were allowed to play a final down there, Gil, <laughs> uh, I think that would go a long way to pushing them up. So, yeah. in saying that, like I guess if we rank them in tiers, they'd be you know probably your very good but not quite you know excellent big what whatever the measurement you want to go with. They're just I reckon just under that level, which I probably have the crows in too. Um, just because, you know, I think yeah. their recent on-field form ha- hurts them. I mean, if, if say, you know, if they won the 2017 granny, I think you could lock them in as, a, as one of the big ones. But I think uh, I have them just under, just under. Gee, that's, that's harsh. They're not, they haven't spent 10 years at the bottom of the ladder. True, but I mean... That's recency bias there. That's all right. We'll move on. Uh I would have Richmond second. I think they're the biggest team in Melbourne. Um, yeah, they're they've in. got the members. Then again, this is recency bias. If you go back four years and they couldn't win a final, I wouldn't have... I'd say... I would have considered them for top four, but would have said lack of on-field success. So things can change pretty quickly. Um, but they're a real powerhouse. And you've seen with all their off-field stuff with the Cochins and the... Sydney Stack, they've driven the media cycle for a number of weeks this season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't have to do a whole lot to, to get themselves on a back page. Yeah. you got Jack Rewalt with his Tiger Time on SEN. You'd be a regular listener, Tom. I, I do when I'm not listening to this podcast on loop. <laughs> Nick's cousin, I thought you might be involved. Um, so we've got West Coast 1, yep. Richmond 2. Who would you put at 3? I think this is where it starts to get a bit murky. Well, this is the thing. I can get to a third. I think you've got to have Collingwood at, as the third club there. Um, arguably the biggest... Well, I mean, they're not, well, we're, when we're talking biggest, I mean, the media hype that they get is probably the top. They're probably the top-covered club uh, in the land uh, in any paper. Um, well, when you add them all up... Um, I've got to have them in there when you've got a president who's so, uh, I guess, ubiquitous or he's everywhere, Eddie. So, so obnoxious. Yeah, well, he is obnoxious too, don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, he's definitely giving them a little spruik. But yeah, I mean, their membership numbers are huge and, and their fans turn out. I think you'll find these top three, the, their fans actually turn out, which is why I struggle with the fourth because Hawthorne have claims, but I don't think when the chips are down that they get the oomph that they should have if they're a big four team. What do you reckon? Well, you, well you've gone Clarko already, so you just <laughs> you will knock Hawthorne out. Well, then it, it gets tough. So I would have liked to have considered Adelaide a little bit more, but I think that's, that's a football town, Adelaide, and they are the number one brand over there. That's a big deal. No, that, that look, that's fair. The Camry Crows, they are a big deal in Adelaide. I'm, I Look, yeah, you might be right with the recency bias. I mean, I'd rule them out over a couple of uh, bad seasons. I mean, I think you'll find well, with them... Well, Hawthorne haven't been great the last couple of years. True. I mean, Adelaide, I think, if you go back a couple of years, might have been cracking the 75-80 with the membership. So they, they have slipped off-field, it seems, as well. Um, yeah. Which hurts them for me. 
Um, I mean, yeah, I, I I know I've potted the Hawks a lot, but I think you'll find, you know, you, it's just an example. But like last year, I think the Hawks played the Giants. It was a Sunday, not an ideal time slot. They got fifteen to 16,000. That would never happen yeah. to the Tigers or the Pies or the Eagles. Yeah, they're fair weather, aren't they? So I can't have them in a big four just based on that. I mean, if you, yeah, if you, I mean... There are different stages they would have been in there. I mean, they were probably the big club at, say, 2015. You know, they that, they were the team. But since then, I think they've slipped slightly. From I mean, they're, they're right up there. But, I'm t- yeah, we're, we're going for that elite, elite bracket here. All right, so let's run through. Carlton? Again, on-field success holds them back. They're the opposite, though, because, I mean, if they have any they sort of... Out. Yeah, they turn out. So if they have any sort of success, the Blues, then they will give this... They'll be back in the Big Four. But right now, yeah. I can't give it to them because they haven't... What have they made? A, a semi-final and a couple of eliminations in the last 10 years? So I, I can't give them the honour. They beat Richmond in a final from ninth. They did, but yeah, again, reach reached the semi. They probably should have beaten the Eagles. I think that was 2011. But yeah, we're going a fair while back. So Essendon, one of the old big four, the traditional big four. Well, yeah. Look, they have claims too, but again, if uh, and Bombers fans cover your ears because you're sick of this, but they haven't won a final in in what since 2004. So and they haven't really ever since that point even really they haven't sniffed a prelim. You know, I think you'll find they can make it, but like we keep talking, they can't get to that elite bracket. So that that holds them back as well. They're another one, obviously, a little bit of on-field success and some of that, you know, grand final magic would really put them in there, but I can't I can't have them in there. What do you reckon? So are you saying, as it stands now, we've got West Coast, yep. Richmond, Collingwood, in order for top three, and that fourth slot is open, It's pending you... the final series this year. Someone can take it. Well, I don't know if someone from this year can take it. I don't think Port Adelaide, you can't have the Lions, you can't have... I mean, Richmond could win another one, they're already in there. I mean, maybe the Cats have so claims if to... they can salute. Maybe the Cats have we've... claims because that that's just, you know, they've made a lot of finals. Um, you know, they've, they've... I mean, if you look at the last 15 years and if you include that, then you get all their, uh, their flags. Um, but look, I, I don't know if it's a big four anymore. I think it's a big three. We're going to roll with a big three We're going into with the 2021. Big that is... Watch this space. We'll, um, yeah, and we'll look, re-rank this more ha- towards the more end of the year. More than happy to take uh, listener feedback on this one because I think it's an interesting one. And, I mean, we've we've targeted a few big supporter bases here, so I'm assuming they're not happy that they've slipped out of uh, the elite calculations. But, look, I'm more than happy to take... Uh, yeah, get onto the mailbag and, and send us your thoughts. Um, 100%. Tell us why we're wrong, because we probably are, but <laughs> yeah. tell us why. We, we enjoy um, it. So we've got a top three. Yep. We've got a top three. We're going a big three. I think at the end of the year we'll name a top four, but there could be a big asterisk against that fourth club. Like, yeah, you're here, but... Yeah, welcome to the big to, leagues. You, you might have to... Uh, you yeah, know, you need to perform first. or you need you really need more than, you know, 50-odd thousand members. Um, watch this space. Now, you mentioned it. We're here for the mailbag. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll take it if you like. We've gotten um, an email from uh, BluesFan25 uh, from Elstonwick. I think 25, that was Feb's old number. Fever, Fevalenko. Good to uh, to get, get him a run. Uh, BluesFan here. 
been watching other football chat shows, which we don't encourage. We do like them to listen to this football chat show. Uh, he's been listening to the football chat shows recently, and there's growing concern that the Blues won't be able to re-sign some of their younger tall forwards due to poor spending on players like McGovern. That was poor spending. Yeah, can't argue there. So I was thinking a trade period, would a Mackay and a first-round pick be enough to land Josh Kent? Josh Kelly from GWS or what would be needed to get it done as the Blues need some more top quality class in the midfield and McGovern and Casbolt don't really have much value out there of the three younger guys. I think Lisa Mackay um, even though he's had a better year statistically so uh, that's from BluesFan25 PS uh, would be an idea to have your email in your Twitter header Unfortunately, Twitter only allows one website address, but we appreciate the feedback. Uh, our email address, oh, you obviously know it because you've sent it, 12 back at gmail.com. What do you think about uh, BluesFan25 there, Seb? Well, I think... I, I actually really rate McKay, and obviously we North have got his brother, Ben, who actually did an outstanding job on the weekend on uh, Big Charlie Dixon. Yeah, enjoyed his game, um, actually, yeah. So I think McKay holds a lot of value... Look, if Josh Kelly said he was coming to Carlton, I think something around a first-round pick and someone like McKay would be... That'd get them talking. I think they'd probably want a little bit more because Josh Kelly is an out-and-out star. Um, As a Carlton supporter, I'd be willing to give that up. There's no point holding on to these tall key forwards and having three or four of them to see who's going to take it to the next step. A good midfielder can make a forward look really, really good if they're sort of on the on that. bordering on on being a good forward. Um, the one thing about GWS, they the teams are rating their half backmen. So yeah, a lot of teams into Aiden Core. I'm hearing reports North have authored uh, Zach Williams a six year deal on big coin. That's not surprising, judged on the ruse history with big deals. Uh, yeah, well, if we don't offer a big deal to someone this year, we're, we're not. Um, yeah, what, what we're kind not, of year would it not be? Not alive. Um, you know, we've had a great track record with Polek. True. Well, uh, I'll throw another one. I've heard you know there's interest from the Saints and a, a youngster called Jai Cordwell. So he came out of the draft yeah. recently. There's another one. I think Xavier O'Halloran. So there's you know and yeah Zach Williams. So there's there's a few names flying around there. Josh Kelly yeah. isn't one I've been hearing, but. Well, no. Well, no. Um, Josh Kelly was obviously linked to North two years ago because his old man played here. Uh, and look, the Giants may be looking for a replacement because Jesse Cameron, there's talk he, a lot of talk around him because he is, he, he's a top three forward in the comp. And oh, I think he gets, he gets missed a little bit because he plays for GWS who are made, outside of playing in the grand final last year, are largely irrelevant. Um, well, they crossed out pretty early in our uh, previous discussion. Yeah, yeah, didn't really get a look in there. So I, I think he gets underlooked, and I, I understand Geelong are looking with their three first round picks to. Uh, Jeez, that's a juicy hand. To try and secure something there as a replacement for Tomahawk, who, while he is playing extremely well, can't go on for sort of probably more than. I would say two years, but he might go three. Four would be extremely unlikely, and Jezza's probably got six, seven, eight, nine left in the tank. So, look, I think Carlton need to look at every option on the table. I think 
if they can get a couple of those bigger bodies, mature recruits in, it would go a huge way to pushing them up the ladder quicker. Um, They've just got to make sure they do not do a Chris Judd-like trade where they get a star but give up a pick and a player like Josh Kennedy who, you know, he's been a a star for West Coast. Look, you can't go wrong getting Chris Judd wins a Brownlow for you, carries your team. Um, but ultimately didn't really carry you anywhere that mattered. So I think you need to make sure history doesn't repeat itself and go out and get a player like Kelly but give up too much. So, look, I think McKay in a first rounder isn't too much, but, you know, that's that's why they get paid the big bucks, those list managers. Uh, true. One for, our, for uh, Blues fan 25 that I'll just throw in there that he didn't mention when he was talking about forwards was Charlie Kerno. So he might be an example of one if he's in any sort of trade discussions that you just you just hold that. He'd be, he'd be one, I think, that you hold on to. Um, and, yeah, that, that's just... He'd, to, he'd to, be an untouchable, wouldn't he? He would be an untouchable, but, I mean, when you're talking these sort of trades with, you know, a Josh Kelly type or, if you, you know, these big trades that really get your, your side moving, you, I think you have to put everything on the table. So uh, I'd be interested why Kerno was left out of this, maybe because he was untouchable, but what, what uh, you know, would you be upset if he was in this deal rather than, you know, Big Harry? So... Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think they love... They love Charlie down there in Blues land. Um, and rightly so. He is a very, very good player. Uh, more than fair. Well, thank you to uh, BluesFan25 for that one in the mailbag. Now, on to our weekly segment. So, start of the week. Uh, last week, I went with two. This week, down to one. But we've got you with one, Seb. I'll get mine out of the way quick because I'm looking forward to yours. Now, last week, it was Zach Tui's 200th game, but he was a late withdrawal. And you might ask, uh, is that a common occurrence? Well, he was actually the 48th player uh, to be listed as an out in what would have been their 200th game. So we have actually uh, seen players going to play their 200th and then uh, they're out of the side for whatever reason. So he's uh, on a long list there. Uh, He didn't fly anyone out from Ireland, did he? (laughs) Don't know if he did. Why? Why? I just hope they'd be having an extended holiday because yeah. you'd have to wait to watch the 200. Yeah, true. You know, you'd hate to book your flight out three days later. Yeah, true. Miss out on the actual 200. Um, but I digress. Now, I've got a stat. I've got a stat for you. I'm going to give you a couple of numbers off the top just to give you an interesting feel. The number one draft pick in the national draft, there have been 36 drafts. They've played an average of 156 games. Number two, average 134. Number three, average 132. It sort of goes down a little bit. Draft pick number six averages 61 career games. Now, that's low. Number seven is 114, and number five is 119. So I don't really know what's gone wrong with the number sixes. The curse of the pick six? The 61 average games. Now, if I just scroll down, I'm just going down towards the bottom. Pick 95 has been in seven drafts, and they average 69 games. So a better return on investment from pick 95. Jeez. Pick 100 is 73 games. And pick 105 and 106, and these have only been in four and five drafts, but 119 and 116 average games. 
So there is some draft. That's that's getting to I'd the. I'd love real. to find out if like Dustin Fletcher or Tucky or Boomer or someone was drafted with one of those. Yeah, picks, it might have and uh, that has swung, really pushed up the, the average. The average, because um, it, it, like it goes right down. But I thought it was fascinating that even if you go back up, like you've got. Pick 37, which has been in 34 drafts, you get 84 games out on average. Pick 40, you get 90 average games. But for some reason, that pick six is only 61 average games. So, yeah, that, I don't that, know. I, I looked at, I'm going to be paying attention this year to who, who has pick six and see if the curse will strike again. Yeah, well, off the top, and correct me if I'm wrong, because, um, you know, whether or not there's academy picks and... Um, the various deals, but I'm pretty sure Freo currently hold pick six, given their spot on the ladder. Um, I don't think there's going to be any priority, so I'm just going a purely, you know, counting down. They've got the pick six, so that uh, probably doesn't yeah, help them. Well, if they can pinch another one, they might jump above the Bombers, and the Bombers might get the dreaded uh, pick six. But, yeah, I, I'm interested by that. I, I I mean... you. Do you want some names? Do you want some names? Off the top, so, as soon as you said pick six, I thought of Mitch Thorpe going ahead of Joel Selwood. Uh, that's yeah, the one that jumps picked, out to me off the top of my head. Yeah, 2006. Played two games. So, yeah, he certainly brings it down. Hawthorne had pick six a year before and drafted Bo Dowler for a total return of 16 games. Uh, so, so the Hawks again. It must be why Clarko doesn't like the draft. Yeah, he's had he a couple of draft. good picks and they haven't uh, produced. So David Myers, Chrissy Yaron, oh, yeah. Gary Rowan was a pick six. Reese Conker, Chad Wingard, Jack McRae, Sharon Burke for Collingwood, Caleb Marchbank, Aaron Francis, Sammy Petrovsky Seaton, Jaden Stevenson, Ben King, not Max. Yep. And uh, Adelaide picked Fisher McCasey. Yeah, no, big uh, key position player that, that we've seen this year. Um, look, I wouldn't say there's that you know, there's any names that jump out as out and out crazy level busts. I mean, um, a few of those early ones and um, obviously unfortunate with with, um, with Chris Yaron there. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm stunned with that one. That it, I'd be... We'll have to get uh, Liam back on to uh, just ask him about that one because that, that might need some uh, deep analysis to work out why that is or it might just be a, a crazy coincidence. But I think if you've got that many drafts and it's that low that there's something amiss there. But yeah... I think it just goes to show, like, the draft, as much research as these guys do and as hard as they work, there's still an element of luck in it. And, you know, there's, you've just got to also look at other ways to improve your list. If you rely on the draft, you may shoot up quickly and you may just sit on the bottom of the ladder. It really just depends on how well these kids come on. I just thought, you know, top six pick, you'd think you'd be able to get a kid who's going to play... You'd be looking for someone who's going to play 200 oh, games, yeah, that, and the average yeah. return is 61. 61. So, oh. All about watch that. this space. We'll be watching whoever ends up with pick six after the academy pick. So it'll actually be pick five currently, I think, at the rate things are going. I think there's a kid who'll go number one. Um, yeah, ma- imagine style. that. You're sitting with a nice pick five, and you, you just get nudged back down to that six. You'd be the dreaded pick. The six. dreaded pick six. Look, I, I don't want to go there, but I, we have to. It's our underdog tipping of the week. Now, I didn't want to go there because, as we mentioned, McGovern's thumb was the difference between the dogs getting done and the dogs winning. And they won. They saluted. You picked them. I wanted them, but I couldn't because you went first. You got a good one. You've got two now. We've got two apiece, so you've evened it up on the uh, pure scores. Um, I think I might have my nose out in front if we uh, tally the odds. What have, what have we got there? 
Yeah, so I got the dogs. That was, gee, that was good picking. That is. Yeah, no. I'm in a rare vein of form now. We're just going to roll out the season. Uh, so the dogs were a little shorter than the other underdogs we've gone for at 220, but still underdogs. So it. I'm on 5.2. You're on 6.1. So still out ahead, but I think obviously if I get any other underdog pick, I get at least two points, uh, and that will push me ahead of you assuming you don't get one so interesting round of footy everyone's got a game i cannot believe west coast are underdogs against the saints can you tell me is there any insight there well west coast have had a fair few outs in their midfield i think shuey red and yo uh or sheed they're all out so that might be what swayed that one uh, Nick Nat back, that, though. Nat so. and Nui back yeah, in. I'm going to leave that one there to see if you're tempted by it. Um, geez, do you reckon the Bombers could do it? Jeez, that'd, that'd be a fair turn up after we, we've roasted them and the wider AFL media have. They are juicy at 5.50. That would be a big one. Geez, could you trust the Ds? Ds over the Giants. Y- yeah, well, your man, yeah. Simple Simon, could you, could you trust him? Oh, he's got to be... He's got to be lining up his his assistant coaching prospects at the end of next year, doesn't he? He he is he won't be co- yeah. I've already declared it, but just to repeat, he won't be coaching at the end of next year at Melbourne. Uh, no, I'm going to take Richmond at two twenty five. Yeah, that's that's fair. I I know I'm going to be seen as a Geelong hater. Uh, obviously, calling them a country town early wasn't the best way to get on side with those fans. Uh, but I just think I I see that as either team can win. They should both be at a dollar ninety. Yeah, it's uh, line ball at a neutral venue. That one. I'm getting Richmond at two twenty-five. I, I'll probably tip the Cats if I'm being honest, but um, I don't have any faith in my own side. The Bombers are too long. GWS are coming off a, a embarrassing performance, so they'll turn up. Uh, and the other two games, I can't trust. We don't have odds, obviously, for the yeah the, the other games: Gold Coast, Collingwood, and. Uh, Lions v the Swans, and I think maybe I might give Lions we might give Swans. the Swans a rest this week. Have they've uh, we've given they them a fair close. go. They did come close. Um, yeah, look, I, it's a tough one. I, I'm I'm looking at uh, oh, look. I, I'm not going to go against the Saints. I just I just need to watch that game, and just we just need to win it. So <laughs> I'm going to put that one out. So I don't uh, have my uh, tipping in in my head, but. I'm looking at the two game uh, two games on Sunday. Can I trust the Crows, the bottom side, to win three in a row? I mean, they're in form. They've uh, what was the stat we saw? They've won more games in September than the Bombers have in their last sixteen years. So <laughs> you didn't have to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that one in. But um, oh, and then and then you've got the Hawks over the Dogs. So. I mean, they are cracking in for a for a final spot. I didn't mind the form I saw out of the dogs last week. I mean, sorry, out of the Hawks last week. I think, uh, you know, they. I mean, yes, they were playing the Saints, who weren't playing a great brand. Thanks, Clarko. But uh, I think I think after the the bashing I've delivered to the Hawks, I'm going to give them a chance. So I'm going to jump on the Hawks. <laughs> Hawks have beat so the dogs. So you've gone the Hawks. You've gone like you've taken aim at Clarko, and now you're just like. It's an yeah, olive Clark, branch. Just... It's an olive branch to our Hawks fans out there, and I need some value because uh, you're you're right on my tail. So, um, and I, I look, I couldn't trust the Crows. You can't trust the bottom side, even if it is against Carlton. I think 
Carlton could get the chocolates done there. Get the chocolates on that one. So, yeah, I'm, look, I'm going to go the Hawks. What have you got the Hawks at over there? Uh, well, I had it, and bear with me. I'm pretty sure you'll get the Hawks at 3.30. So nice and juicy. Yeah. I'm just going to tally them in a little spreadsheet here. So they're pending. Excel, fantastic uh, stuff. That, that's that's going to be huge. It, uh, we're coming home with a wet sail at this rate. Sydney almost did it for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they are two live chances. It's a lot more fun than just trying to tip the winner and tipping someone at a dollar fifteen. Exactly. They're probably going to win. Even tip- There's no adventure there. Yeah. Even tipping a line, that's sort of your 180 stuff. So, you know, we, we like to find a bit of value. My word we do. My word we do, Tom. Well, look, it's been another great episode. I've enjoyed your company. Uh, listeners, stay safe. Any final words, Tom? No, as always, keep an eye on these results as they come through. It's going to be an exciting end to the season. Uh, I hope your team and my team can have a win this round, and, and we'll see you at the next episode. 